0: obsessed with all things ovine, there is seriously something about sheep and always something new to learn about keeping, breeding and farming them. Welcome to the Sheep Show podcast. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. The Sheep Show podcast exists to help you no matter where you are in the world, what sheep you breed, what size your flock is, This podcast will help your sheep knowledge and your shepherding confidence grow. And it's a two-way street. I love to hear from you and find out how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Come along on this episode as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. So we have been absolutely blessed sheep farming over the last couple of years where we sheep farm. It has rained <laughs> and uh, rained well And the sun has shone, so that's good because we do farm light, just bear that in mind. We do actually turn light into grass and then grass into meat or breeding stock, so that's what we do. So we need the light we need the water. So in this episode, let's embrace the alternative. And the alternative is drought, where it doesn't rain, where we get a hot summer, where we get dry spells. Now, even though I've said we've been blessed, we have, but for us, the first couple of years when we were farming, it was a very different landscape. And uh, we kind of used to what it was like here on our farm when things turned brown. For Gary, it was pretty typical. He had uh, grown up in sort of central Victoria around Mansfield, so he was quite used to brownness in summer uh, because it can get hot up there and it can dry off very, very quickly. In in Australia, if you're not familiar, there's a, a large mountain range Uh, up on the east coast of Australia called the Great Dividing Range. And pretty much it divides significantly the sort of coast and coastal areas from sort of over the mountain Range where it's very different. Uh, It's not that it's bad, it's just different. And uh, Mansfield was um, an area where the temperatures are quite extreme, so really, really hot, really, really cold. It's a, it's a, a very famous skiing area. And Gary or Austin talks about how he um, had skiing as a school, school, school subject when he was in school. Anyway, so he's no stranger to drought and mentally kind of prepared for drought. I hadn't really experienced it before. And uh, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, uh, yeah, a bit Quite resilient anyway, you sort of make do or you sort of uh, readjust. But you know, it's no harm in planning. And that's really what this episode is all about. How can we potentially, if we are looking at the upcoming summer season here in Australia or wherever you may be, how can we prepare a little bit? And I know this topic for some of you, you might be saying to me, Jill, I've been in drought for years. And I, I know, I know that. A lot of California has experienced drought. I know Ireland has experienced drought this year. Um, I don't know, you might be thinking, what? Yes, it was really, really dry in June. The hottest June on record. Yeah, the wettest July and August on record, but it was really, really hot in June. and, And instantly they went into drought. And uh, I know parts of Australia, particularly parts of New South Wales, have been in drought for years at this stage. So I know this is nothing new to a lot of you, but at the same time, I've been thinking about it, and I—I I suppose I want more of us to think about it. That it's just a fact of life, for whatever reason, wherever you sit on the sort of spectrum uh, of what's causing. If it's just normal sort of evolutions of of sort of times and cycles and so on. Like sometimes I I think some people say that, you know, we have three years of wet and then we move into a sort of a, a more unsecure period of another three to five years where we could experience drought or could see drought wherever we may actually be farming. So whether it's now, whether it's this season with you, whether it's next season, whatever, it is going to happen. So, what can we do, particularly uh, as as a sheep farmer, as a sheep producer? Again, regardless of your size, this is going to impact. You might think, oh, this is only for people with large land. It's not at all. You know, sometimes it's it's the smaller land areas that one may not you won't be able to get drought assistance that's for sure and uh and it made us creep up on you very very quickly so what can we do what can we do and of course knowing that we want to have the best outcomes for our animals well what are some of the things we can do so here are a few things high level what we can do and then let's go into detail about what specific so obviously we've got to manage our animals number one how we do that we'll talk about that we've got to think about feed so food on offer or the feed reserves that we've got. We have got to think about water. Uh, we've got to think about soil and the environment more broadly. And then we have got to think about ourselves, and particularly our financial reserves, our well being, and our ability to be resilient in the face of drought. So uh, let's look at managing animals then. So, our sheepies, what can we do? Well, we can wean early. Like if you are facing already facing drought, already thinking that drought's imminent wherever you are, and you probably will already be seeing some signs, then you can think about weaning early. Pros and cons, have a listen to the weaning podcasts, which might help you with the pros and cons. There are some benefits to weaning early, particularly if you want to do the next thing, which is manage your animals by reducing your flock size. Now, when I say that, I'm meaning for a lot of us, that is about the younger animals that are on your farm, churning them off, getting them off, finishing them off as quickly as you possibly can. So if you wean early, you put them on good quality grass, you let your ewes recover a little bit. So often that means that they're going into a, a quite a skinny paddock, which means that the lambs, which of course have smaller mouths, smaller bodies, you will be able to utilize the feed a little bit better. Pros and cons, of course, just like everything else. So it's just one strategy to wean early. Now, for me, I've been thinking, should I, shouldn't I? We still are okay in terms of our feed on the ground. We had a very wet week last week. When I say very wet week, like we had 60, 70 mils. We sometimes have that in a day. But it was a, quite a wet week and we had a warm week beforehand and we were facing a, a warm, when I say warm, like it's very warm for this time of year, 25 degrees coming up this um, one of the days this week. So, you know, it's warm, you know, for very, very early autumn, that's warm for for us. So I'm thinking grass growth. We're okay. We can sustain probably at least another month. Gary would even say that this rain that we're getting now He would say that will see us through to late November, maybe even December. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. Um, So you've got to really think about how many animals are you running, which of the animals you really want to keep and hold on to. For most of us, that is going to be our mature breeding flock. The ones that will be a little bit more resilient, younger ones tend not to be, the ones that will be able to, you'll be able to perhaps just manage or tick along, so rather they're not growing. So for the next period, for us anyway, they're going to be weaned and then they're going to be sort of almost at stagnation. And then... You're going to flush them to get them ready for breeding again. So that would be seeing you right through to the end of summer or potentially almost the end of summer, which you would hope we would start to have some autumn breaks. I mean, another option would be join later, you know. So join in March rather than February. It's something that's, you know, it's worth thinking about, isn't it? I definitely joined early last year. Uh And I think that served me well, weather-wise, but again, pros and cons. So how are you going to manage the animals? It's going to be no one size fits all. How are you going to manage the animals on your farm? What are the ones that you're going to really invest in, invest that time and effort in? And they're probably the ones that you've already invested a lot in. And for most of us, they are our sort of core breeding stock. Rams would be the other thing to think about in terms of managing. If you are running quite a lot of rams, can you sort of really tighten up that flock? Are there rams that you would hold on as an emergency or in case of ram? You know, can you think about, okay, maybe making that a tighter mob? Or maybe if you, like me, if you perhaps breed with four rams, could you breed with three? These sorts of things, these sorts of decisions. So what would be the sort of the, the carrying um, the carrying capacity in really, really tough times that, that you might face and that you might actually get? And of course, for everyone, it's going to be different things. So and are there other animals on your farm that you run? So, for example, one of the things we're probably not going to do this year that we have been doing in the good seasons is we we've reared – Haves. so might not do this that this year, so that will mean that when we think about the next twelve to twenty four months, not having cattle steers that are growing out on our property will mean that I can we can manage the volume of grass that we've got better, so just having sheep, those sorts of things would would help uh, and then, even in that, you know, can you think about weathers that you've got? moving them on, selling them early, you know, maybe you've got the weathers you'd normally keep um, to, to finish out yourself, you know, can can you think about creating a market for them or, or looking at a market for them potentially? Um, if you've got any other land and other areas that aren't that proof, we'll talk about that in a second when we talk about sort of managing the environment as well. So think about your animals, what, all, what are all the things you could do there? The next point would be around building and maintaining feed reserves. So one of the things we have done uh, is a kind of a break in case of emergency. Now, uh, have we cracked it yet? No, but we have planted tree lucerne. So this is a very hardy drought-proof tree, which we can chop down. We can coppice and chop down, and it can provide at least some green feed and some protein. So, that would be something that we can do to manage those feed reserves. Closing up paddocks, the worst thing you could possibly do would be stock, what's called stock trafficking, where you open up all the gates and you let the animals just roam around everywhere they want. That would be the worst possible thing you could do. And to be honest, it is something that I see on particularly small farms incredibly frequently where they just let let the animals just go wherever they want. It is the worst thing for the animal and it is the worst thing for your property and it's the worst thing for your soil and the the actual grasses or pasture that you've actually got. It's convenient to just let the animals do whatever they want and they will love it. But it's actually not very good. It's definitely not good from a worm point of view. And of course, in these hotter seasons, we're going to see less parasites. So you're going to see less parasites. You might think, I'm getting away with it. But what's going to happen is that is going to mean that the ability for your land to bounce back after the drought is significantly hampered. Now, for most of us, we're not going to be seeding out pasture for sheep might seed out if we do cropping or something like that, but that's typically not what we do. So most of us aren't going to do that, which means if we have that animal completely raise very tightly that pasture down, we are going to find that there is nothing left. There's no root, there's no um, stem, so there's nothing there to grow, which means what's going to happen post drought? Weeds. Now, okay, we've got sheep, we know they'll eat weeds, that's great, but from a nutrition point of view, from a health point of view, weeds aren't ideal. They will eat them for sure and they help us, but if that's all they have to eat, it's not so good. So you're basically prolonging the pain by stock trafficking your animals. So what can you do? What paddocks can you close up? What paddocks can you manage? What paddocks can you possibly even fence or temporary fence? Can you, or have you been growing some vertical feed like the trees? Even for us, I know it's awful, but blackberries, they do, they are quite drought tolerant. So they can provide a little bit of feed for our animals uh, in drought time. So this is where sometimes we can, we sort of manage those sorts of things. But it's just about trying to build and maintain feed reserves. The other thing to think about here would be If you have the choice to fill your sheds with hay that your sheep will eat and you have the ability from a a cost point of view to do that, I would highly recommend you do that. So if you get a chance, you get an offering, you get an opportunity and you know that drought might be imminent, then that could be something to do as well. Because of course, more feed, basically in, in drought times, full hay sheds is like having a full bank account. And it does mean that we can sustain animals through tougher times. Again, not from a stock trafficking point of view, I would sort of sacrifice an area which we'll talk about perhaps to, to do, that in, do that feeding in. So whatever you can do to build and maintain feed reserves for your stock, that is going to help you not just in the short term, but also in the long term as well. What about your water supply? We have been constantly putting in extra tanks trying to preserve water. We have enlarged some of our dams to contain water. We know we have a few areas that are spring fed on our farm, which is great, but not everywhere. And we know that a lot of areas do dry out and our dams in particular down where we are don't hold water all that well. So we've got all those challenges, but is there anything that we can do to ensure a water supply? Now, of course, what you want water supply for is for drinking water for your animals. You want to be able to have a water supply potentially to irrigate certain areas. So at least your animals have a little bit of green pick in extreme drought conditions. And the other thing you want to have is a water supply for you and your home. And this is the one area that I do see constantly people in the country sort of neglect. Do you have enough water that will actually see your home through for those drought periods rather than having... I mean, we know we can buy in drinking water. That's a, It's possible. But, you know, it, it, sometimes in drought times your financial reserves are a little bit tight as well. So you may not be able to afford that, or if you pay for that, then that, might, that mean, might mean something else gets neglected or some other area that you could have invested that money in, you can't actually put that money in. So it's a challenge, isn't it? But really thinking, you know, do I have enough water reserves for our home, our family, as well as perhaps for our animals and maybe some for irrigation as well? not all perfect, though. It's not all perfect. The environment then, managing the environment. And this is where really we think about, okay, the biggest challenge that we have when we are going into drought is the impact that that drought is going to have on the land and the soil that we are farming on. So what can you do to be able to, Preserve the soil and not actually have an an impact of erosion. So, of course, careful management of your animals and your topsoil and the ground cover, these are things that are crucial. Because, of course, if there's drought, there's most likely going to be uh, some sort of impact. Now, that could be uh, wind. Uh, storms, it could be actual stock traversing on that ground, or it could be when the drought breaks, that the rain is so hard that it just washes away the soil. Not good. Yeah, not good at all. And of course, when you lose soil, you lose nutrients. So you lose all the particles, all the fertility, you lose your organic matter of the soil. And of course, that is going to really have a negative impact. It can also lead to other damage as well, roadway damage, infrastructure damage, fence damage, all those sorts of things. And depending on the soil structure that you've got, that can be really devastating. If you are in a coastal area and you're on sandy soil, that can really be quite devastating uh, as well. And of course, very, very, very costly to replace for a lot of us, if not all of us as well. Um, And of course, if our soil is eroded, then the recovery of the pasture is going to be longer or more difficult. Whereas if there's a good ground cover, then, and that is soil with potentially some grass, then if there's a good ground cover, what you will find is that your ground will bounce back. It'll, It'll not be negatively impacted by the rain. And therefore that little bit of sort of cover will be able to pass like we find this constantly when we graze and we leave about a third of the pasture in the field that literally it's like a gary calls it the magic pudding it just keeps on giving now of course you still need to manage it and particularly in a drought point of view it may not be as magic but it may be like just a Sunday pudding <laughs> so maybe it's just one day of the week for example or one Quick of that pasture, but then that might just be enough to keep your use ticking over till the next, uh, till the next uh, st- stage or the next sort of feed or whatever it actually might be. So try if you can to maintain cover in your paddocks, some sort of residual plant, um, rather than perhaps just a, a bare ground um ground or dirt soil that is really what we really don't want um and uh and, and maybe for us it's just about thinking what is critical level of my ground cover and then thinking of the most vulnerable pastures moving stock off those vulnerable pastures and moving them on to some other area so that you can conserve so that you can actually keep that soil and that ground that ground cover as much as possible. Um, again, really don't be tempted to open up all the gates and just allow your stock to wander everywhere. It is seriously going to negatively impact your, your property and it's going to be much harder for those uh, little plants to recover when they're constantly being nipped and nipped and nipped. So you really need to think about um, resisting that. So tempting, but really resisting that. And then if you do have to use the reserves that you've got in your hay shed, or if you do have to hand feed potentially with anything else, then think about doing that with a, 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 a confined stock plan. So that would be where you confine your stock to a small holding area, maybe an area which the, where the soil is heavy or stony areas um maybe or or just sacrifice one particular area. Maybe like for us, even right now, we've been sacrificing an area with our cattle where it's under a lot of gum trees. So it doesn't really grow that much. It gets a lot of leaf litter. So the ground the soil is quite deep, but the growth isn't great. And we didn't flail mow that area last year. So we decided we would just cut ca- Carve that off off a very valuable paddock and have our cattle in there just so we can get through this last end of winter early spring, and preserve our feed um feed in other paddocks for the sheep, so just trying to sort of manage that so that's and that's worked quite well, and we have plans to then seed that out and if we needed to, we could possibly even irrigate that but you know there's a strategic plan for for that. Uh, for us, uh, and it's just about trying to think about well, what can you do to be able to to do that through as uh, as well. Wow, it's all challenging, isn't it? It's all just um, uh, it's all that particular area in terms of your size of, of of your containment area. It's very much going to vary on the number of of. St- of um, of stock to be fed. Like one figure is, and this may not relate to anyone, no more than 500 sheep per area with five square meters per sheep. Now, you know, for most of us, I'm thinking for most of you listening, maybe, maybe not, but that won't be the sort of volume that we're looking at. But again, you can think, okay, well, if I have a hundred sheep, what sort of square meter meterage could I contain them in? That would be perhaps uh, the you know, useful. And think about shade. Drought means sun. And we know how our sheep feel about sun. I know how my sheep feel about sun and they absolutely hate it. So if you are going to contain them in an area, then you've got to think, again, picture, is there shelter there? Is there shelter particularly from the baking sun for the majority of those animals. And hello, I know how difficult that would actually be for most of us. So if we're going to have you know 100 sheep in one particular area to allow them some sort of shelter, then that is very, very difficult for us, very much so. This is where perhaps some sort of temporary fencing can sometimes be useful or sometimes um, be practical so that we could potentially have, uh, have this sort of variance Along the way, and then the um other things in the environment may also be things like our um fodder crops, maybe they may be some green pig, for example, we grow Jerusalem artichokes, so there might be just a little laneway, or there might be just a little tree-lined area, or there might be just a little sort of an oasis that you could use, again, to manage the environment so that the tree, the only problem is you don't want to damage those areas because, again, they're very sensitive, very vulnerable. So, you just got to play that in the bigger scheme of things. How long could I have sheep in there versus perhaps the damage that might be done to that particular, oh, not particular area some of us, this might be actually quite an opportunity because there may be areas of your farm that you fenced off because they're too boggy, but haven't been grazed for a very long time. And in a drought period, they're going to dry out, of course. So the, the soil is a little bit harder and then you could graze them. So you could put your sheep in there or your animals in there without having a negative impact to the environment. So those things can think about uh, think about happening as well. And then your financial reserves. What are those? We may ask. For most of us, particularly with all the other challenges that um, perhaps are occurring with uh, economic sort of uh, you know belt tightening and interest rates and prices of fuel and prices of utilities and electricity and 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 the drop in sheep prices too. Um, anyway, another whole conversation to be had about that. Well, it's just about trying to think about, okay, making hay with the sunshines and then squirreling as much as you possibly can. Hopefully with this in, in instance, maybe you can think about uh, selling off some animals that you wouldn't normally sell off. That could allow you to have a bit of an extra financial reserve selling off animals earlier so that there's a, a bit of a cash flow injection here. uh, And then just thinking about other things that you can do. Maybe there's less projects you'll initiate on the farm. Maybe there's less spend that you'll have on other things. So wherever you can sort of think about redirecting funds then on your farm, then that could be a good way to maintain those financial reserves so that you can survive And then hopefully so that at the end of that drought period, and hopefully if that drought period uh, doesn't last into the, the years and the potentially decades like we have seen, then at least what we can do is bounce back and build that reserve up again for some of you you might be very sensible and you already have a reserve you already have sort of thought about this and you already have a bit of a buffer a bit of a nest egg that you can call in on or that you can sort of again break in case of emergency and of course that would be very sensible and and very um very good if you have that in your farm for some of you it might be that your farm is more at its sort of embryonic stages and you've been sort of trying to focus on Generating income from your farm to offset the costs, so you may not have had a time to build up those financial reserves, so maybe it's time to generate income elsewhere so listen this the list is endless. Can you diversify your farm off farming income you know, online revenue generating whatever it might be? And that's just something that we all have to sort of grapple with, you know what where can we stretch our ourselves, where can we sort of um think ahead, and the like So not a great positive sheep show podcast for this particular episode, but one that needs to be talked about, one that needs to be thought about, and one where planning at least will help us just mentally prepare and then at least have a few tools. In the kick bag for if when this happens, and hopefully it doesn't. But I think the horse has bolted. For some areas, this has well and truly occurred, and for some areas, they're just living it. And for some areas, it's just an ongoing sort of roller coaster. And um, yeah, it's just uh, it's just one of those things, isn't it? It's just part of farming. It's just part of uh part of life. And we're always thinking about grappling the elements and what we can do about them. The other thing I suppose to think about is that for a lot of us, there are support services out there. So if if things do get tough, if if you're thinking, oh, what do I do? I'm really at that sort of point of no return, then seek out help, whether it's locally you know whether it's through some some local government resources or extension officers or whatever the equivalent might be just think about using the networks think about using humans in times like this to help us make decisions and then to help us sort of get through to the other end as well and you know if if that means just you know thinking about Go back and listen to some positive episodes of the Sheep Show podcast. Go back and think about what your favorite episode is and, you know, just reliving that and remembering that most likely this too will pass. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sheep Show podcast. Please take a moment to share this episode via your podcast app, email or social media channels. Each share helps us reach listeners just like you who can benefit from our sheep-focused content. Let me know how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at HolstonValleyFarm.com.au. Until next time, sheep well.